Welcome to the Edge Youth Podcast. This is a place where we get to connect with our students or anyone who would like to hear some biblical inspiration throughout their week. Whether you are here to listen to a sermon from youth service, a lesson from our youth class, or even a hot topic conversation, I hope and pray that you will benefit from the content and that you will be blessed. Praise the Lord. So we're going to turn to our Bibles to Esther, chapter 2, verse 1 through 18. So it's a very large portion, <coughs> excuse me, a very large portion of Scripture. Um, anybody want to read it? Anybody want to read a verse of it? No? Come on. Yeah, Esther. Esther chapter 2, and we'll be reading 1 through 18. I might skip a little bit just because um, you know, some of it doesn't really matter that much, what well, matters, but it's not going to relate. So Esther chapter 2, we're actually going to start at verse, yeah, verse 1 through 18. Anybody, anybody want to read? All right, read the first two verses. Okay, so the reason we're here at this point is because um, the queen of the king of Persia, Azarus, um, she had uh, lost favor in the sight of the king. So the king is looking to find a new queen, okay? So uh, he sends out and he tries to find all the beautiful young versions of the land. So I'll continue to read. Um, there is a lot of tricky words in this, so. <laughs> um, and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of the kingdom. Now remember, Jews lived in Babylon at the time. They lived in this area at the time, okay? They were not all in Jerusalem, in Israel, in their homeland. And let the king appoint officers in all the province of the king to gather all the beautiful young virgins to the harem in Sais, the... Citadel, under custody of Haggai, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women. Let their cosmetics be given them. Let the young woman who pleased the king be queen instead of Ashtai. This pleased the king, and he did so. Verse 5. Now there was a Jew, a Sesu, the citadel, whose name was Mordecai, Mordecai the son of J.R., son of uh, Shammai, son of Kish, son of Benjamin, a Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives, carried away from the king of Judea, who Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried him away. He was, bring, he was bringing up Hadessa, a beautiful, or excuse me, Hadessa, that is Esther, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. Now the young woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look upon. She had a very beautiful countenance. 
And when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as her own. So when the king ordered and his uh, edict was proclamated, proclaimed, and when many young women were gathered in Sesu, the citadel, in custody of Haggai, the Esther also was taken under the king's palace and put in the custody of Haggai, who had charge of the women. And the woman, the young women, pleased him and won his favor. And he quickly provided her and her cosmetics and her portion of food and her seven chosen young women from the king's palace and advised, advanced her and her young woman to the best place of the harem. Meaning, so here's Esther, and he took note of her, okay? So he quickly chose this woman because he sees, he's seen that she was the best, and he elevated her through the process. Esther had not made known her people, meaning she did not let them know that she was a Jewish person or kindred. For Mordecai had commanded her not to make it known. And every day Mordecai walked in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and was happening to her. Now the turn came for each young woman to go into the king Azazarus after being 12 months under regulations for the woman. So this woman was chosen and then for 12 months she went through this process of being vetted. Have you ever been vetted for something? Okay, has anybody ever had to have a background check? Okay, you have, right, Connor? Okay, Connor's had to have a background check. I've had to have multiple background checks to get into some of the jobs that I had when I hauled uh, hazardous materials. I actually had to get an FBI background check with my fingerprinted. So I am in the little, you know, fingerprint thing that you can see on, like, CSI. So if I ever did anything and they found my fingerprint, they would find me. But I have been vetted. This is what was happening to Esther. So, um, since this was the regular period of their beautifying, six months with oil and myrrh, and six months with spice and ointments for women, meaning they would put this on, they would cleanse themselves for six months with the myrrh, and six months with the ointment for the women, the spices. When the young woman went into the king is in this way, she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. In the evening, she would go in, and in the morning, she would return the second, the second harem in custody of Shagesar. I know this is a lot of uh, information, but we're going to bring it all together. The king's eunuch, who was in charge of the concubines, she would not go into the king again unless the king delighted her and summoned her. When the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abedel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his own daughter to go into the king, she asked for nothing except what Haggai, Haggai, the king's eunuch, who had charged of the woman advice. That means the only thing that she had asked for was advice from this man to win the favor of the king. Now Esther was winning favor in all the eyes that saw her. And when Esther was taken to King Asaris into his royal palace in the tenth month, which is the tenth month of Beth, in the seventh year of his reign, the king loved Esther more than all the women. And she won grace and favor in the sight 
more than all the virgins, so that he set royal crown on her head and made her to be queen instead of Vashti. So I know that's a lot of scripture, okay? It's a lot of scripture that we just read. But today I want to talk to you on our third series, Being Blessed by Your Countenance. So a couple weeks ago we talked about being what? Cursed, okay? We talked about being cursed by your countenance. The Israelites did not go into the land that was promised them, and therefore they were cursed. They died in the land of, uh, of Esau. They died in the land of, of desert. They died in the land of the dry place, okay? <clears throat> they died in the land of salt because they were cursed because they appeared in their own sight as grasshoppers. We remember this story, right? Correct? Okay, secondly, King David, okay, we talked last week about being chosen because of your countenance. I read an interesting, or I heard an interesting uh, message preached this week, talks about King David. We always depict King David as being small, right? The shepherd boy. But if you read throughout the Bible, when Saul introduced his armor to David, okay, Saul was what? Saul was a man of war, right? Saul knew how to fight. Saul knew how to put armor on. And he knew that if his armor was too big, David would have no chance. Does the Bible say that David could not carry the armor? Does it? No. Does the Bible say David was not big enough for the armor? It does not. But we always say it is because it's David, a young boy, okay? And uh, this man started preaching, and he started talking about it. And he said, David had killed a bear. He had killed a lion. Okay, when Samuel saw him, he chose him to be king. David had killed his tens of thousands, and Saul had only killed his thousands. When Saul looked on David, he looked at him and said, he could fit my armor, or he wouldn't have gave it to him. So he puts the armor on David, and David's like, nah, I'm not going to wear this because I'm not the king. Okay, so David was probably not a very small man. He was probably a mammoth of a man just as big as Saul and was able to carry Saul's armor. But David was chosen to be king not because of how big he was, how strong he was, but because he loved God, because he was a man after God's own heart. This thing's not working. He was a man after God's own heart. He loved the Lord. He tended to his father's sheep. So we talked about being cursed by our countenance, being chosen by our countenance. Today we're going to be talked about being blessed by your countenance. Being blessed by what God has given you, okay? What God has allowed you to walk in. God has given us a truth. God has given us a word to live by. God has given us the Bible to live by. And we follow that word of God. We pursue that word of God. We chase after that word of God or we don't. Okay? And if we do chase after that word of God, if we do pursue that word of God, then we will be blessed. Okay? We will be blessed because of who we are. Just like Esther was blessed. So, Esther, one of the main things, one of the main reasons that she was chosen to go with uh, the king, go with the eunuch, go with uh, this man to be chosen, to be even thought of, 
to be the queen of this area was because she kept herself. Okay? The Bible specifically says that she was a virgin, that she was beautiful, that she was fair, that she was of great countenance. She was a very beautiful young woman, inside and out. Okay? When she meets the eunuch, when she meets him, Heron, he instantly recognizes and understands that there is something different about this woman. Now, she was not the only beautiful woman. She was not the only beautiful person in that time. Okay? There was many beautiful women. There was many of them. But she was chosen almost instantly by Heron to go into the next level, to go into... Uh, anybody ever watch uh, American Idol or or uh, America's Got Talent or whatever, you know, the new thing is. What's that one? The voice, okay? You were cho- chosen to go into the next stage. So Esther was chosen to go into the uh, the finals, okay? She was chosen to go into the finals of being queen, but she was chosen almost instantly. And one of the reasons she was chosen almost instantly is not just because she's a virgin, Okay? Because all the women were virgins that were chosen, right? What was the difference in her? What was the difference in Esther? Okay? The difference in her is that she had a connection to God, a connection to his anointing, a connection to his love, a connection to his power, and not only was she the virgin that that was chosen, she was also taking care of herself. She was also pursuing after God. She was also following the laws of God. Okay? So therefore, she presented her body a living sacrifice to God. And because she presented her body a living sacrifice to God, she was able to be blessed and chosen almost instantaneously. Okay? Has anybody ever, and I'll just be uh, real with you this morning, I'm not going to be very harsh or anything like that, but anybody ever uh, been said, you don't need to live different? Anybody ever said that to you? You don't need to be different to love God, right? I'm good. I love God. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to act different. I don't need to dress different. I don't need to look any different. Anybody ever heard that? No? Nobody's ever heard that in here. Okay. A couple people. I'm sure you have because you've told me of a conversation with it. (laughs) So a lot of times people will walk away from the truth and then they would deny the things that they used to do. Okay? One of the biggest things, and I'm not going to dive into it because we're going to dive into it in a couple weeks, but one of the biggest things that people struggle with is the quote-unquote standard, right? You don't need to be separate to love God. The Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, to present what? A living sacrifice. Huh? Your body, holy and acceptable unto God. It does not say anything about the spirit right there. It says nothing about the spirit. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. For this is your reasonable service. So when it says that, it's saying nothing about what is on the inside. So like I said Friday night, If it does not matter what we look like, 
If it does not matter what we appear on the outside, I'm not saying you have to have to have to have it perfect. But what I am saying is you have to strive. If it does not matter, then why is that verse in there? Someone tell me that. That that verse, that singularity scripture right there indicates that you have to be different. That you have to be different from the world. Now, we're not going to give them the specifics of it right now, but that singular verse of scripture indicates that you have to be different from what the world is. Be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, not your what? Your spirit. It says nothing about the spirit. It's talking about the flesh. It's talking about the body. Be not conformed to this world, but be uh, ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does your mind do? Your mind controls what the rest of your body does. These two singular scriptures are the foundation point that points to us being different from what the world wants and what the world desires. And I've said this many times. This actually, God enlightened me about this a couple months ago. We always have the people that say, I don't need to do that. I'm, I'm close to God. I don't need that to do, you know, to be close to God. But the first person they call when something's going wrong is the person that does that. The first person they call when something goes wrong is the one that goes to church. Okay? Brother Brian, can you pray for that person? Brother Brian, can you pray for this person? Absolutely. I have no problem praying for it. Okay? But don't tell me that you don't need it. Don't tell me that you're connected to God because if you were, you wouldn't have called me. Okay? You wouldn't have called that person that's in church. So, Esther had learned to present her body a living sacrifice. She lived holy. She lived godly. And that's why when she walked into the room, something changed. Anybody ever have that experience? Girl walk in a room and it's just something changes. <laughs> that is true. That is true. We won't get into the details, but that is true. Okay? Someone walks in a room and you're just like, Anybody ever seen Bambi, the movie Bambi, okay, when they get Twitter-pated? Have you seen Bambi? You know what Twitter-pated is? Huh? Man, you have not seen Bambi. Do you remember what it is, Taylor? You remember when Thumper, you know, he sees that girl and he's, he gets Twitter-pated? He can't, he's just like so overwhelmed by the little bunny's beauty, you know? That's what guys get like. They just see that little bunny and they're just like. Mm-hmm. That's what these people did when Esther walked in the room. And it wasn't singularly because she was a beautiful person on the outside. It was because she was beautiful on the inside and the outside. She let her mind transform her body. She presented her body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. I love my wife not just because she is so beautiful. Okay, but because her beauty shines from the inside out. Okay, that's what you should be looking for. And girls, that's what you should strive to be. Esther had something that a lot of a lot of girls do not have in this generation, and that is confidence in who they are. Okay, and she was something that a lot of guys do not try to follow after. 
And that is a woman that is confident and holy and godly in who she is. And that's what you should strive after. Okay? Not some movie star or some, you know, woman that's not going to spiritually make you better. So, secondly, Esther was wise. Okay? She was wise because she could have asked anything from the eunuch. She could have asked anything from Haran. She could have said, give me gold to put on. She could have said, give me beautiful earrings to put on. Give me, uh, uh, you know, stuff to put in my hair to, you know, make it all fancy. She didn't say, give me this beautiful dress that has the beads and the pearls and all this stuff on it. She didn't say any of that. She didn't ask for any of that. She could have asked for anything, and it was his job to give that person anything that they asked for, okay? It was his job to give them anything that they needed before they went in to see the king. You know what she asked for? Advice. She said, what should I do? What should I say? How should I respond? How should I present myself to the king? Give me advice as to what will entice his mind. What will entice who he is? And you know what? The Bible never declares exactly what the eunuch says. But in my mind, he probably said, you need to be who you are. When Esther first walked in, she said nothing to, to, to the eunuch. She said nothing to him, and he instantly chose her. It's because of who she was. But she sought the wisdom, and she sought the counsel of this man so she could win favor and be blessed. Her countenance was wise on the inside, and therefore it came out on the outside. You know, the, <clears throat> when you uh, present yourself and you uh, combat this world or you make a choice or you uh, have a, um, my voice just cracked, <clears throat> you have a, uh, <laughs> you have a uh, situation, okay? Taylor, do you have a job? Okay, that would have been really odd if he said no, so sorry about that. <laughs> do you have a job? No. Okay, so how long have you worked there? Uh, almost four years. Okay, okay, so that's really good. Okay, that's good for you, okay? Working at a job for a very long time is a very good accomplishment, and it will reflect greatly on you. So good job. So what is your job? Um, Are you really? That's awesome. Great. She's instilling knowledge and wisdom into young people, right? Okay. When you first started your job, did you know everything? Do you know everything now? No. Did you ever ask advice? Very wise. Now, okay, Vaughn, you work at Taggart's. Before you worked at Taggart's, had you ever cooked anything in your life? Raymond noodles. Raymond noodles. <laughs> Woo! The godsend. Raymond noodles. You probably never cooked a burger, a steak, or anything like that. When they showed you what you need to do, they'd just say, go cook a burger? Show you how to cook it. Did you listen to that? Okay. 
good. That's good. Vaughn even comes over to my house and tells me that my cooking is not good enough. So, all right. So, <laughs> so what I'm trying to get to here, it is extremely intelligent. And it shows that you are humble when you ask for advice. Asking for advice is a humble thing. It means that you understand that you are not accomplished yet. You understand that there are still things that you need to grow in. You understand there are still areas that you need to move up in. And that's why she started to gain a good favor and started to be blessed. Because her countenance was not prideful. Her countenance was, I am humble and I will learn. She was listening to Mordecai. Remember, the Bible says that she did not make, let her nation be known. She did not let her, uh, her uh, doctrine, she did not let who she was and who her people was be known. Why did she not let them be known? Does anybody remember it? Because Mordecai, her uncle, told her not to. She sought the wisdom of her uncle. She sought the advice of their uncle. Because most likely, she would have never made it through. So this was a woman that was not prideful, a woman that sought advice. And what happens, okay, to the ones that don't seek advice, it is a very, very good indicator that you are prideful. Why? Why is it an indicator that you're prideful? One, you think you know better, which most likely you don't, Okay. Brother Connor, uh, I, I hate to put you on the spot, but you put in a bid for, am I okay to say this? Yeah. A house, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I do not know if you got this house, okay? I, that's, that's okay. It's okay not to get that house, okay? Why didn't you bid? So my assumption is that someone bid higher. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you go higher? Wasn't worth, it. wasn't worth it. Did you just make that decision randomly? Or did you talk to people? Oh, so you sought wisdom. But if you would have said, no, no, I want this house. I'm going to get this house. And you bid higher and higher and higher. And then you would have went into more and more and more debt. And you would have had to work on this house and work on your debt and probably not been in a good situation. If you would have thought you would have known better, you'd have been in some serious trouble. That's pride. A person that doesn't ask for wisdom doesn't want their business known. Okay? This is Esther. She's asking them for wisdom because she says, I, I don't know everything. I don't know exactly what's going on. But a person that will not ask for wisdom, will not ask for advice, is a person that does not want their business known. Now, your business should not be known by everybody. But you should seek the wisdom and the counsel of the elders in your life. Your parents, your youth pastor, your pastor, your youth pastor's wife, your pastor's wife. You should seek the advice. Vaughn, you have done that many a times, even just recently. Connor, you've done that. Many of you have done that, okay? I haven't had that chance with you yet, but hopefully you'll come to me asking advice one day. Hey, that's okay. That's his, that's his personality. That's perfectly fine. But is it intelligence, and it shows who you are on the inside, to ask advice. 
Because if we are prideful, a prideful heart and a haughty heart cometh before the fall. Meaning, someone that is unwilling to ask advice, someone that is unwilling to seek counsel, is someone that is going to fall by their own pride. Don't be that person. Ask for counsel. And it will show the humbleness in your heart. And you will be blessed. My Uncle Fox told me not to buy the house on Erie that I used to have. Okay, I didn't listen to him, and I should have. Should have listened to him. Because <clears throat> the house didn't net us any profit at all. I should have listened to the man. Because he knew better than me. But I didn't. Seek wisdom. Seek counsel. It will show who you are and it will appear in your countenance. And you will be blessed because of that. <clears throat> your countenance will be wise. Wisdom does not come from only within. Wisdom comes from experience and the advice and counsel of those around you. That is how true wisdom is established. Esther loved her people. Esther desired to protect her people. And if she was not in the position that she was in, her people, including her, would have died. If you have never read Esther, it is an extremely powerful book. <clears throat> but because she was able to listen, because she was able to present herself godly and holy in a very unholy time, I would say Babylon and where she lived is like now, okay? They were, uh, the homosexuality was through the roof. There was disease. There was chaos. There was all this stuff, stuff that was going on in this time, stuff that I'm, I wouldn't even be comfortable saying, okay, that was going on. It's the same stuff as in this time. Okay, so she was facing all these different temptations, all these different things, all these different avenues that she could have walked on, but she stayed godly. Secondly, she was wise. And because of her godliness and her wisdom and seeking counsel, it showed in her life, and she was able to gain favor of the most powerful man of that time, just like Nehemiah before her when he built the walls of Jerusalem again. He was a, she was able to gain favor with the king. Now, the king had this man named Haman that was underneath him. And Haman hated the Jewish people, her people. The king doesn't even know she's Jewish yet. And Haman makes a proclamation, makes a decree to kill every single Jew, to wipe them out, to destroy them. And if it had not been for Esther, if it had not been for this woman that was blessed because of her beauty, because of her godliness, and because of her wisdom, and not being prideful, all of her people would have been wiped out, killed, destroyed, slaughtered. And not only that, there was a noose that was made for a man named Mordecai. Mordecai is who? Her uncle. You guys know what a noose is? It's where you hang. A noose is what goes around your neck and hangs you. Okay? So Haman creates this noose to kill Mordecai on. Gallows to kill Mordecai on. 
because Mordecai was a leader. Mordecai, he understood who he was, and he wanted to wipe these people out. And if it had not been for Esther and her fearlessness in following God, this would have happened. The Bible says that Esther went before the king, and if the king did not raise his scepter, she'd have been killed. If you go into the king and the king did not raise his scepter, she'd have been killed. But every single time she went in, every single time she went in, the king answered. And I'm just telling you that every single, every single time that you go into the king, every single time that you go into God, every single time that you seek God and you have the wisdom to seek him, you have the knowledge to seek him, and you have the godliness to seek him, okay, doesn't mean you're perfect. It means that you admit that you have mistakes. The king's going to raise the scepter, and he's going to listen to what you have to hear. So what was meant to kill Esther, what was meant to kill all them people, actually turned against Haman. And the Bible says that Haman hung on the gallows made for Mordecai because the king found out what was going on. And he found out that his wife, the queen, Esther, was a Jewish person. And the king, an evil man, protected the nation of God, protected the people of God, so not only did Esther get, get uh, I have a couple minutes, not only did Esther get favor in God's sight, but Esther was able to establish favor in the sight of man. It was man that came to the defense of Esther. It was man that killed Haman. It was man that decided, no, 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 this is not going to happen. Haman, you're going to die on the gallows. And the Bible says that they took the ring off of Haman and they put it on Mordecai, meaning now Mordecai is second in command. They took the ring off of him, gave it to Mordecai. Mordecai became the man that Haman was. Mordecai gained the favor that Haman had because of Esther. They were blessed because of their countenance, because of who they were on the inside. And it came out on the outside. It gave them wisdom and it gave them godliness because they sought him in here. So you could be cursed by your countenance or you could be chosen and you can be blessed by your countenance. And it's not up to anybody else in here but you. You are the only one that can choose to be blessed. So I'm asking you, choose. Make that choice to be blessed by God. Make that choice to be chosen by God. Okay? Make that choice. The Bible says that Haman's entire family was killed. The God that we serve will deal with the enemies of your soul. He ain't going to go kill somebody, you know. I hate my teacher, God, go kill him. That's not going to happen. You know, you get mad at your parents, you pray for some stupid things. Okay? But he will avenge you. He will protect you. He will take care of you. That's the king that we serve. And he'll bless you, not only in God, 
but he will bless you here on this earth. You know why I have a house and cars and stuff like that? I'm not rich by any means. I struggle just like anybody else, but it's because of the blessings of God, because God has blessed me because I have stayed faithful to him. So stay faithful, be godly, be chosen, and be blessed. Amen? Amen, amen. Listen, we serve a great God. Okay? We serve an awesome God. And He is worthy to be served. He is worthy to be praised.